Welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of Operator Revolution, the podcast about operations. I'm Jason Carvello, founder of Toronto-based OperatingAcademy.com. And I'm Clint Overton from the Overton Group in St. Louis, Missouri. And we are your hosts. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the readiness for change slash commitment by a CEO, owner, and leader. So Clint, this is a uh, always a hot topic to get into. Is a founder, executive, potential client ready for change? You know, how do we determine that? That's a great question, Jason. And I think a, a really difficult one to assess because I think that certainly, you know, as we've all experienced in our life and our careers, that sometimes people say they want to do things, but then the ability and commitment to actually fall through with it is very different. I think 100%. one of the things that's really, really, you know, important in that process, especially in the early assessment and engagement with a potential client to come in and provide support for them is really to get kind of under the hood to understand how ready are they for change and how committed um, are they to that um, fundamental change in, in what they're doing and how they're doing it? Yeah, a lot of the time I've run into founders, they think that they want change, but they don't really know what that is. I found I've had to do a lot of educating uh, of those founders. You know, part of it is just really getting, uh, I think, down to the crux of what's driving the desire to change and what are the things that, and really, really having a very honest conversation around what's gotten in the way of change in the past. I mean, I think really understanding what is the, the go-to approach um, by that leader, what, what are the things that, what are, what are the kind of their personal preferences, experiences that they have tended to rely on when things are tough? Because the reality is, is when someone's making a decision to invest in another important leader coming into the organization, it's because of the fact that there's at least been realization that what's what has been in place is not working effectively enough. There's a desire to pivot. There's an understanding yep. that what is what has happened to date is not getting the organization to where it needs to go. But I think being willing to look in the mirror and understand how much that owner or CEO um, has contributed to where the organization's at and wh what they've done to contribute to being in the way is really important to understand early on, because I think you, you, you need to have a better understanding of what are the markers or red flags or bright lights that might come from the engagement with that owner to understand um, when things are, are starting to revert back <laughs> and how you can kind of yep. reposition and, and get them back on the rails again. Very difficult thing for for a founder to do because they're usually building their businesses. It's on the back of them, and they usually see the business as an extension of their personality. And so, I would say that uh, if you're a founder, you're listening to this, um, you might be asking, like, what can I do to prepare myself for that type of change? You and I have talked a bit about this: roles and responsibilities, understanding personality types. Would you say, in your experience, you've seen when you've gone into an organization that the CEO founder actually has a job description breaking out everything that they do? The experience generally is, is that it's very unclear and ambiguous. Um, I think they have a hard time kind of specifically defining it. I think that they're generally so intertwined in the day-to-day -day that they've lost sight of really where there's delineation in terms of responsibilities because they're not working on the business, they're working in the business. 
And I think that it's very difficult sometimes for them to really recognize and appreciate what is actually happening around them um, because yeah. of the fact that they're you know constantly fighting fires on a daily basis. So I always think a great rule of thumb is to um, start to develop a, a job description for yourself and ask yourself, what are you owning? Where is your time going? An exercise I love to do right off the bat when I'm chatting with a a founder or CEO is draw out a, a breakdown of your time. Where is most of your time going right now? And I think also a really interesting question that founders, executives, CEOs should ask themselves is like, what are they really good at? You've gotten the business this far. Definitely you're crushing it when it comes to probably willpower, discipline, right? What are you, what are you really exceptional at? What do you, and more importantly, what do you want to be exceptional at? What do you really want to own? you know, when this business is flying. Yeah. And I, th I think it's really important for, from both parties to understand that going into a potential relationship and engagement and working with one another, I think really the CEO or founder, um, having gone through the process of truly assessing where they want to spend their time, what they're good at, what energizes them, what are the things that have gotten in the way, being very honest and realistic about that, and then being able to come to a conversation with a potential partner, probably someone who's at a level that they have not had in their organization before. They're obviously making an investment in this person. It shouldn't be somebody who's a tactician because they, they need somebody to kind of pull them out of the depths and, and really transform the business. That person needs to understand in the words of that owner or founder, what they see as the value of this person coming in, what did, would their day-to-day -day look like, and then how does that add value for them? And I think if they're not able to clearly articulate that, and they're also not willing to articulate what they're willing to get, let go of, then that might be at least a, an initial flag around the kind of willingness and readiness for that person to move forward and, and truly take advantage of bringing on a second in command. And I think when they do that, especially for those that are not stereotypical CEO that they have built the business, they would be considered the founder, maybe on the legal documents of the CEO, but they're still the founder. That transition from founder to CEO is a very, very unique one. It requires a significant amount of discipline. To your point, it requires a significant amount of insight. It requires a path forward. And in order to understand what that path forward is, is again, bringing in that COO could help you understand that. Another way to do that. And in my experience is working with an HR firm. Have you had an experience like that? We brought in an HR firm to, to help ideate, to provide more of a structure to potentially that roadmap? You know, in, in my past yeah. career um, in, you know, small and large size businesses, I think when you're in a place where the organization's a little bit stuck and trying to transition and transform, really going through the process of evaluating what the organizational design needs to look like, which also then helps start to create more clarity around roles and responsibilities, which is something that you kind of mentioned at the beginning of the conversation today. That really helps provide some clarity because the organizational design exercise should really align very specifically to where you're trying to take the company after recognizing, recognizing that you're a place right now where you can't get there, continuing to do it the same way. And so yeah. I think that that exercise does create some clarity. But again, I think it all goes back to the very beginning for me, which is the the decision maker, the person who really has to be the fulcrum for the pivot in the organization, has to have gone through self-reflection, has to have a, a good deal of self-awareness, 
And then Allison has to have a very strong commitment to being uncomfortable because growth is uncomfortable. And it's, it's, if the business is going to really move forward, then there has to be a decisiveness and a willingness to get outside of their comfort zone and identify where they add the most value and where they need someone else to come in and complement their capabilities to really get the, the business going in the right direction. So for those mission-driven leaders who are moving from founder to CEO, number one, not knowing what you don't know, then building a team to fill those knowledge gaps would be a great for step one. Step two, building your management muscle by seeking out feedback would be a great step two. Leveraging your time and delegating it would be a great step three. Prioritizing both mission and business goals would be a wonderful step four. And then continuing to stay curious, reaching out, looking inward uh, and learning to grow would be a great step five. Do you find that the prioritization of both mission and business is something that comes easy to mission-driven founders? Or is it, you know, does it take some time to connect the two together, mission and business goals? I mean, I think it does take time. And again, I think the the instance when a business has decided that they're in this trans, transformative state or need for change really is because of the fact that they've lost sight of some of those things. And if you, if you have like a very real conversation, I think it, it surfaces pretty quickly that the idea of what the real the initial vision of the business was or if there's changes that maybe would prescribe a slightly different vision a well-documented strategy in the organization and then all the business planning around that that it's very very squishy <laughs> it's you know very a little yep. bit on the nebulous side and that that's part of sure. why it makes it hard because if you don't know where you're going it's very difficult to build a plan around how to achieve that and then if you don't have a plan to achieve it it's also difficult to discern what are the right people and the right seats in the organization designed to achieve it and so it really all starts at the beginning and i think one of the really significant and insightful exercises exercises for that leader to go through if they haven't is to really step back and reevaluate the vision of the business, the core values of the business, and really a strategy that allows them to achieve those things. Because it's that's to me foundational to, to moving the business forward. 100%. And I mentioned here leveraging time and delegating. So transitioning from the role of individual contributor to builder to leader of a team definitely means handing over responsibility, correct? And trusting those new players that are being added to the bench. Yeah, it does. I, you know, it's interesting. I know that you're a fan of, um, of Cam Harold, and we've both read, you know, some of his books and interestingly, just this morning, Cam Harold had a post where he talked about the seven different persona types of a CEO. And, um, I think one of the things that was like very obvious in that, which may not seem obvious to someone who's making a decision to bring in a CEO, COO, and a really an experienced operator to help the business move forward is in none of those persona types is someone who is a tactician or someone who is just there to kind of take the tasks of the day and go execute them. And, um, to me, there's two really crucial things that that leader needs to overcome to really realize the full capability of the organization. One is the willingness and recognition that they need to bring somebody in who brings a different perspective, expertise, et cetera, but then doesn't necessarily try to create them as a second version of themselves. And so you know, the idea of delegation cannot be, here's the 10 things I do every day and the 20 things I do every week. And now I want you to go do those things the way mm. I was doing them. So now I have more time. Right. It, it is much bigger than that. And I think that it's really important kind of back to the very early part of our conversation is to understand 
when someone engages and says, hey, I, I need a COO, I want a fractional COO, to really get a definition from them in terms of what that means. What does a day look like? What does a week look like? What does a quarter look like? What's going to change for their plate? And then what does that engagement look like? Because again, you could end up with a very expensive team leader supervisor on your team yeah. if you if you don't leverage that skill set and experienced leader in the right way. So remember to treat management skills as muscles that um, the individual builds through experience and gut checks. And obviously having a great COO and mentors and coaches around will help facilitate that and create that environment. But ultimately they have to they have to go in and do the work and experience something unique that can't be dictated to. It's something that they have to they have to grow into essentially. Yeah. And it's tough because I mean, if you're the CEO or owner, you've not had somebody at that level in the organization before. <laughs> yes. It's a, Most it's, it's a hard, alone. yeah, yeah you're, you're used to doing it all yourself. Yeah. And because of that, the person that you trust the most on everything is yourself. And so to, to be able and willing to kind of fully give yourself to this idea that someone else has a commitment to helping you achieve your goals, but being able to let go yeah. in the right places in the right way is absolutely critical for it to work. Yeah, it's important to put an intentional focus on seeking out these conversations as one transitions into that CEO role or begins to understand um, the role of operating with a COO. Um, I think people you know, if a CEO comes in or additional talent comes in, they're less likely to feel comfortable offering that unsolicited feedback, just given the nature of that potentially some founders, CEOs who are genuinely curious about transitioning to an individual, a professional type that has that level of training, that management experience that they need. They need to be actively listening. They need to be actively looking to seek for support. And in doing so, you're able to build trust with your team. And trust is really fundamental, right? You and I agree on this, especially if you bring in a, an outsider. Trust is imperative for that relationship between the CEO and CEO to work. But also, more importantly, for the entire team to see that you know you're growing as a person, and that you have a great relationship with your COO, and that you truly are trying to develop as a leader. And I think it could be very powerful. And I think, in particular, in businesses and organizations that are struggling, you know, you, Jason, you and I have talked about this: is that if there has not been an, an investment in an operator in the past, and then there's a decision to do so, there has been likely an event or a series of events that have led to the necessity for someone to come in. And the reality of that is that the event or series of events isn't a function of the fact that there, there haven't been a number of things going potentially subpar for quite a while, but there's been a thing or things so significant that the leader recognizes is they cannot continue to kind of move down the same path. And what they sometimes don't realize because they have been so much in the middle of it and maybe have lost sight of the people that are kind of doing the work in the organization is they don't actually know how harmful it's been and how painful it's yeah. been for the team to kind of endure what's been happening and the, the underlying frustration and the angst and the lack of comfort. And so the there could be a huge turnaround in the business if it, it's not just I went out and hired somebody, it's demonstrating like that investment and in personal change and commitment to allowing that person to do what they do well. And then also align that person to enable this kind of total team approach across the organization that probably has gotten lost over a period of time. At the end of the day, that transition from that founder to CEO, like so many other aspects of business building um, and building a business from scratch, is going to force that individual to have to learn, adapt, and be empathetic 
I think it's something that you're pointing out to be a great leader. You do need to be empathetic. It's not only just about delegating, but being empathetic to the people that you're helping build uh, a life for. You know, there's no prescribed game plan. You know, anything can happen on game day, as you and I both know. It's really important to kind of stay intentional about one's desire to learn, one's genuine curiosity, one's focusing on the mission that got them that far, and to be ready with their team to essentially take the field. Agree. And, you know, when you utilize the sports analogies, which, you know, I like to do on a fairly yep. routine basis. I mean, do that a little bit today. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it, it really, if you think about great teams, it is a function, it is never a function of one. And it, it, it is, every role is important and critical. Um, it's assembled in a way where it's cohesive. There's great leadership and trust in terms of the teammates on the field and then the leaders that they're uh, looking to as their, their coaches and managers and, you know, other executives within the team. And so it's no different um, in any industry that you're in that all those things need to be working in kind of great harmony um, to achieve great things. It's a great way to end off today's episode. With that, listeners, I'm Jason Carvello. And I'm Colin Doverton. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.